This is The Blood Doctor Show. On the most important Tuesday morning in the fucking history of the state of Arizona, I would say, at least from a sports perspective, it is finals day, game day. It is like 5 fucking a.m. in the morning right now, and I am a.m. in the morning. Did I say that? That just that displays where my brain is at right now. I'm, I'm so amped up that I'm awake fucking early and repeating things. I'm on fire, fire, fire. That's where I am right now. I am ready. I am prepared. I don't think I could possibly be more fucking prepared for this shit. I don't know if anyone in Phoenix could be. This is decades of waiting. 20, 30 years, 40 years for some people. Al McCoy, 50 years. You know, so many people have been waiting so long for this team to deliver on the promise. And once again, for the third time in the history of this franchise, we stand on the precipice of doing exactly that with, I mean, probably easily the best chance, I think. You know, we've got the best team that the Suns have ever had. If you want to say the 93 team was better, I'm not going to not going to argue with you. I mean, you had six guys scoring in double digits, a really good team, you know, and they just ran into Michael fucking Jordan. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. I understand that. But this son's team is incredibly deep. Got a 24-year-old superstar and a 22-year-old rising megastar and an absolute legend in Chris Paul. Like, this team is fucking phenomenal. So, whether it's better than the 93 team, whether it's not, whatever you want to say, that was an incredible team. This is an incredible team. And we're four wins away from glory. You know, this city has only had a few major professional sports championships. The Diamondbacks title in 01, and then a handful of Mercury titles, and then, you know, some other... I mean, really nothing else in the major sports, nothing in the NHL. NBA teams come up short. Cardinals lost in the Super Bowl. You know, Phoenix is a large market, one of the few markets with all four major sports, um, and a really damn good WNBA team that no one respects, which they should. Uh, I mean, the WNBA as a whole, they should respect. In any case, this is a Suns town, and this town has been dying, clamoring, begging for a championship Suns team forever. And this is the opportunity. You're facing a really good Bucks team, but maybe not necessarily an all-time great team. You know, whether or not Giannis is back, this is a very good Bucks team. I just personally believe the Suns are better. I think this Suns team is built to win in this NBA with a combination of just just absolute badass shooting from all over the place whether it's Chris Paul and Devin Booker in the mid-range Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder in the corners Torrey Craig coming in randomly and bagging a couple of offensive rebound putbacks when you don't expect it DeAndre Ayton going in his bag hitting a little hook shot throwing down a dunk hitting a turn fade and then just an incredibly switchable defense with so many guys willing to fight their asses off and no slouches, no holes in the lineup. This team is just built for the modern NBA. And the ability that DeAndre Ayton has grown to attack the basket in these playoffs, 
and just every way that he has become a lockdown defender has basically solidified everything and taken this team from incredibly good to fucking fantastic. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again before we talk about specifically what I expect in game one. And then we jump to the interview I did with my man B from overtime with BNT last night. I just want to say the Suns are now four wins from the beginning of something special. This is not a one year run. This is the beginning of something truly, truly great. This is this is our time to take a crack at the dynasty era, the super team era. This is our chance to truly become one of those teams. And you're four games away from taking that first step and solidifying yourself all time as a champion and then having the ability to run everything back and have the chance to do it again. And if you're the Suns, you can't think about anything more than one game. You can't think about anything more than one possession. You just got to focus on what's right in front of you. But if you're a fan, take this in for a moment. Recognize where you are. Think back to 2015 when you watched the young Warriors rise. And recognize that this team is of that potential. There are true, true outcomes here where this Suns team is an all-time team. Not just a team that we talk about from this season, remember the year that we won the championship, but a team that is talked about among the great teams. The first Suns dynasty is what this would be. And we're not there yet. We're a million light years away from it. You got to win one. You got to go through training camp and go through everything again. I understand that. But dynasties are born at one title with a couple of young superstars and veterans along the way. And that's what the Suns have now and for the next few seasons. This is one of the greatest opportunities in the history of sports. And it has been given to Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Payne, Cam Johnson, Tory Craig, Dario Sarge, Frank Kaminsky, Javon Carter, Langston Galloway. This is the roster to finally get this team over the hump. This is it. Shout out to Abdul Nader. Etwan Moore, Jalen Smith, and Tyshawn Alexander as well. You know, just the complete roster. This is the group, man. This is it. And Devin has to seize this opportunity. He needs to seize this fucking opportunity. He needs to lead this team to another level. That's just it. This is the time. He has to he has to become the Kobe or the Michael Jordan, whatever you want to call it, whoever you want to compare him to. There are going to be games that are a fucking slog that are down to the wire. And Chris Middleton has proven time and again that he will get buckets in games like that. And whether or not Giannis is even around, Chris Middleton is going to keep the bucks in those games. And Devin is just going to have to outduel him and put this team away. There will be close games and it is going to be on Devin to put this team away. We know what Chris can do. We know what DeAndre can do. 
And we've seen Devin do it in closeout games. We saw him with a 40-point triple-double in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals. It's time for him to consistently take over, dominate this series, and put his stamp on the NBA Finals. Devin has had some great games. He's had some rough games. It is time for him to step up, consistently control this series, and lead his team to a Finals victory. And I believe that he's going to do it. And I believe that Chris Paul is going to run the offense. Devin Booker is going to be an absolute beast of an engine. And we know that DeAndre is going to do all the dirty work. And we're going to win the finals. That is what is about to happen. This team is ready. Now let's talk about game one. Game one specifically. It's going to be interesting because Giannis is doubtful. So let's talk about if he plays. If he plays, obviously the biggest thing is, you know, who, what percentage of Giannis is he? Is he settling for jumpers because he doesn't think that he can quite attack the rim enough? And at that point, how much value is there in playing him? Will the Bucks play him at all if he's not, you know, healthy? Because if he can't attack the rim, you know, he's not a floor spacer. Do you even want to play him? So obviously if Giannis plays... Everything that we're going to be looking for, at least all throughout the first quarter of game one, is what does Giannis have? You know, does he have the same level of lift? Is he able to just, you know, power through guys? What is the case there? And that's going to be an important thing to watch, obviously. For another thing, I'm very interested to watch how Brooke Lopez plays pick and roll defense and how DeAndre Ayton specifically reacts to that defense. I think that this matchup is going to be very interesting because I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for DeAndre to shoot some mid-rangers. I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity for DeAndre to try to attack and go by Brook Lopez. Now, Brook Lopez is a solid defender. I don't think that DeAndre can have a field day with him or anything, but I do think that he can shoot enough to make Brook Lopez uncomfortable, and I think that he's fast enough to get by him in any sort of, you know, more mobile pick-and-roll situation where he's actually, uh, you know, making an action to the bucket before he, um, you know, before he seals, um, you know, an Amari Stoudemire Nash pick-and-roll, if you will. But it's going to be really interesting to watch that. Um, obviously, all of the defensive matchups, and I get into some of this with, with Brandon as well, so I won't go too far into some of this, but specifically... Does does Milwaukee trap Booker? Do they double team him? Um, you know, are they trying to force the ball? Are the, is Milwaukee going to do the anyone can beat us but Booker thing where they double and triple Booker and, you know, try to make everyone else beat us? And of course, if they do that, we're going to kill him because Chris Paul's out there. Do they try to, if Giannis is playing, do they try to put Giannis on Booker? They usually don't give Giannis the premium defensive assignment. He, you know, normally plays a secondary guy and then helps um, so is it going to be Middleton on Booker? Is it going to be Holiday on Booker? You know, just all of the matchup things are going to be very interesting. What is, you know, what do Mike Budenholzer and Monty Williams provide? We get into a lot of this stuff in this podcast, but I just, I'm really specifically looking for in game one, what are the adjustments from last series to this series? Because we all watched, you know, the Suns and Clippers battle. We all watched the Hawks, uh, 
you know, kind of start to fall apart there towards the end of the series. And we watch Milwaukee go through them. And so I'm just curious, going from those games to now, what are the adjustments that we're going to see? How different does it get? And hours from now, we're going to find out. And I just want every Suns fan to just drink this moment in and think about everything that it is meant for you to be a Suns fan over these years because this is it. Our time is now. And all of that pain, all of those difficulties, all the podcasts people have been doing lately where they've told the story of the Suns over, you know, 50 years or whatever and all the heartbreak and everything. All of that has led to this moment, and that's why it's going to be so much sweeter when the Suns are able to capture this victory. We're this close, and tonight we're going to get this one, and then we'll be three away. Let's fucking go, Suns. Let's fucking go, Suns. Let's go, Suns. I'm so fucking psyched right now. I can't even. Um, it's five in the fucking morning, and I want to fucking scream. That's where I'm at right now. That's the level of intensity that I feel for this team. We are taking this to a new goddamn level. Look at how good this team is. Look at what James Jones has done. How many other teams have like four or five switchable defensive wings? There are none. How many other teams have two elite guards who can get a bucket at any time? There are just so few. The team construction is beautiful. And in a team that is, in a league that is dominated by, you know, small forwards, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, you know, just constantly being in the title run every time. Giannis, if you want to call him that, he's a power forward. He's been a point guard. Giannis is everything on the court. He's been a center. Giannis is just a basketball player who can do everything. But this team is powered by two guards. The defense is powered by a boatload of switchable wings and an incredible defensive center. The roster construction is just brilliant and perfect. James Jones has done it. And and I have just sat here and celebrated it over and over because I cannot believe how phenomenal it has been. And now we stand on the precipice of winning a title and potentially doing so much more. And before I get into too much more Suns propaganda, let's bring in the man who is... Well, sworn to stop it. <laughs> Let's bring in my man Brandon. Let's go. And joining us now, because as he puts it, we must stop all of this nonstop sons propaganda that is going on on this show. Yes. Is B from Overtime with BNT Brandon? What up? Tell me why I'm wrong. Hit me with yes, it. Yes, sir. Go. Yes, sir. First off, thank you for having me here. It's always a pleasure. This is my third time, is it now? I think so. But you're welcome. Yes. You're welcome every single time. You yes, I, I will, appreciate that. I'll I'll just like promote you to secret co-host and we won't tell anyone. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But yes. Ugh, what a time. What, what, what was the last time I was here? What series was happening last time I was here? Um, it was right before the Lakers series, I believe, or no, wait, no, nah, it was no, during it was the, the jazz Lakers. series. It was during yeah, the jazz. Series. That's right. Yeah, no, that's right. Because yeah. we were supposed to record during the Lakers series and I bitched out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I fully acknowledge when they were down two one, I wasn't having it. Um, and then, yeah, that's right. We talked during that. Yeah. So, but Hey, Okay, first of all, you call it Suns propaganda. You you picked them to come out of the West right here. Listen, right listen. here. Yes, yes, I did. But when once once that Denver series started rolling, everything was Suns in four. 
Sons in four. <laughs> Everything was Sons in four with you. So I was like, nah, let's have a little bit of realism. Y'all lost a couple of games versus the Clippers, but it didn't really feel like y'all were necessarily in trouble at any point. So I'll give you that much. But the whole Suns in four, they are un- this unstoppable monster. I need to, I need to give y'all a little reality check. You guys are playing amazing basketball, but that doesn't mean that y'all are unbeatable, which we did prove with the Clippers. If, if you saw, if you think I'm bad here, you should see how I am on Facebook. I'm so much worse <laughs> because, <laughs> because I just apply the usual twinge of Facebook insanity. And I, I wrote this like big long post the other day detailing how I want Chris Paul to retire and go into the Hall of Fame as a son. And at the end of it, I basically like, commented about how the Suns are going to win the next four titles and like nobody noticed that I wrote that at the end of it everyone was like well said man well said and I was like did any of you notice the insane thing where I said the Suns are definitely going to win the next four I was like but uh, but hey you crazy you hey, crazy you but hold on you can verify though I've been saying all year this team was legit and regardless yes, of I don't want to hear any shit about injuries or whatever there's no way to disprove this team is real. I said that shit from day one, and I was on the Chris Paul trade two months before it happened. I fucking suggested that shit to people before it was even in the ether. So I've been all over this. So I'm going to I'm gonna give myself a pat on the back for the belief. But yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm a little... It hasn't been all Suns and Ford. You're right. I did pick Suns and Ford. With, I also picked Suns and Ford with this series. I have nothing. That dude made it impossible to pick anything else. <laughs> What else can you pick now? You have to, you just have to say Suns and Four. Like you can't just for everything now, huh? Suns and Four for everything. What what else can I say? I, it's it's impossible. I, it's literally, it's I don't. I, it's like the entire embodiment of our franchise now is that like random dude who got his fifteen minutes of fame because he beat up a guy who sucker punched him, like. Did you see that dude, the Denver fan, like went to two different interviews where he like brought a diamond tester to show that his watch was real. And it's like, yeah, dude, that's not what we cared about. You got rocked. (laughs) (laughs) Then he was saying how, oh, he didn't even hit me one time. He just scratched my nose. I'm like, but the mere fact this man had you at his mercy, you're like, it's still, it's still not a good look. Even if he did hit you, it's the fact that you let him do that to you. You got to take that. You got to take that. If you're that dude, you just got to walk out and you know what I'm saying? And just, I don't know, ask for the rematch. I, I think he did. I think he did. I think he said he wanted a rematch. Like, hey, man, you man. would know better than me. Uh, those crazy Sun fans out there. You know, I, I, the last decade has been nothing like that because the team has been so bad. Like, I've continued to go to games, but the arena is like empty. It's mostly fans of another team. Like it's, mm. you know, it's the funniest thing is, you know, the last Suns game I went to was Suns Bucks. And it Suns was in, How it was long ago in was that? 2019. Oh, it was, yeah. um, you know, it may not have been, that might've been the second last game I went to. In any case, the Suns won the game by one. It was a hell of a game. Brogdon hit a three with a minute left to tie it. Like, uh, and I think actually uh, yes. the winning play was a Booker and Aiton pick and roll. Aiton scored. It was like a really fun game, but it was still when the Suns were like in the dog days of garbage. And, you know, everyone was just like, oh, it's a random win. You look back the last six times the Suns and Bucks have played, the Suns are five and one. Like the mm. Suns defend Giannis better than anyone. And I know it's regular season, but it's still, you know, it's still, I mean, 
do what do you think about the series? Like, what's the biggest matchup to you? Like, all kidding aside and stuff. I mean, what do you, when you look at this series, like, what do you see? I know we all Giannis is Giannis healthy. Well, okay, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. He's doubtful for game one. Like, but what do you well, think? First, what do you uh, see? Isn't it amazing how Eric Bledsoe, <laughs> who's been on both teams, and both teams are fighting for a championship without him? That that's that's tough. That's tough. Someone tweeted, uh, and I don't know who it was, but they tweeted, I guess when Eric Bledsoe said, I don't want to be here, he was talking about the NBA finals. And I was like, oh <laughs> He was looking into the future. He's a prophet. But yes, uh, in this series, I I want to see Milton versus Booker. Yeah. Because especially with Giannis out, this is going to be very interesting because he's, it's like, He's the guy essentially now that Giannis is out, and it's like, are we gonna see the Milton who flamed out versus the Raptors in 2019, or are we gonna see the Milton who went on two straight, like 20 straight points in the third and the fourth versus Atlanta to close out that series? Like, which one are we gonna get? Yeah, that's the real question. Yeah, and you know, I've always been a Middleton guy and, you know, definitely that Raptors series didn't help, but like, I think this playoffs has proven like, like I think Middleton is in like the Paul George range. Like I posted on somewhere like as a number two, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Like, like he's, he's a guy who I can't build my team around him, but I could build my offense around him when my number one player is out and I need to survive for a while. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Hold like the ship down. Exactly. And like, I can't build my team around Paul George forever, but I mean, like I am a certified Paul George hater. And even I have to say like, he was a badass in that Western conference finals, especially like game one and game five. Like those are oh, two yeah. of the best games I've ever seen and a, a person definitely. play. And so it just, you know, um, but I think Middleton's in that range, and so I definitely think it's going to be interesting. Do you – and it, let's say that Giannis is out game one. Do you do you subscribe to the Bill Simmons Ewing theory thing at all, that the Bucks are constructed Addition almost to play by a little, subtraction yes. type of thing? Yeah. The Bucks are somehow <sighs> better without Giannis or can play a brand of basketball without Giannis that they can't play with him. I feel like in this series, they're going to miss him. I feel like with Atlanta, because they're still young and Trey and Bogdan were like they were banged up. I feel like they could get away with it versus them. But I don't think they can with the Hawks. I really don't. Oh, another matchup as well. Um, Lopez versus Aiton. Yeah. I See, feel that, like that's the real the the matchup that will turn the tides in this series. And the interesting thing to me about that is because truthfully that and I you know I can attest because I went to that game, the the biggest thing the Suns have on their side against Giannis is Aiton because Aiton is literally one of the few dudes in the league who can actually defend him. That was one of the things that mm. we saw going to this Bucks game. We we're just going, you know, his friend took me for a birthday. We we're just having a good time. We're at the game. And like a few plays in, I'm like, dude, Aiton is guarding Giannis like every possession. And that whole night, Giannis is passing out. I know this is two years ago, but you we've all seen it when Giannis is guarded by a center and he's driving into the lane. On me. Did I lose you again? Shit. My connection is unstable. 
Yeah. Yep. Did I get you back? Yeah. Yeah, there it is. My internet just died. Yeah, sorry about that. My connection no just worries. totally died about it. I think no I got worries. it back, though. So, yeah, the the Aiton, the Aiton Lopez thing is incredibly interesting to me. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Yeah. <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> Let me just cut this part out. No worries, bro. The no Aiton Lopez thing I is... Got time. Yeah, hey, I got nothing but time. Well, I got about, what, like 18 hours until the game. <laughs> but the the Aiton Lopez thing is interesting to me because when the Bucks play the Suns, I saw this in person. We've seen it in games since then. A lot of the time, at least on probably half the possessions, the Suns have DeAndre Aiton guard Giannis because Aiton is one of mm-hmm. the few dudes who has the size, the strength, the lateral quickness to hang with Giannis. There just aren't very many. And so that's one thing I think the Bucks have to their advantage, obviously, when Giannis and Lopez are playing is like you want to put DeAndre Ayton on both of those dudes. And I and you can't, yeah. obviously. So there's gonna be the Bucks are gonna be able to exploit their size in that way. But I'm curious, are the Suns gonna do the whole put Ayton on Giannis primary defender thing, or are they just gonna go, hey, Lopez is out there, we got a classic center, we need to have DeAndre you know, play classic center on defense. I'm very interested in that. What do you think? Very good. Um, I also think Bobby Portis, I feel like he is going to be a major factor in this series as well, how much time he gets and what he does with the time that he gets as well. I think it could really impact the game as well. Yeah. Bobby Portis was incredible and yeah. <laughs> kind of down the stretch there. And I mean, he's the kind was of it guy they call him crazy eyes. Yeah. <laughs> well, his whole thing about how I, what is it? Like, I imagine that my opponent like smacked my mother. And so like, I got to smack the shit out of you for smacking my mother or something. <laughs> like that's his like pregame mentality. That's like, how he gets warmed up. <laughs> see, that's the thing. Like a dude like that, like I love Cam Johnson. I love Cam Johnson, but I feel like when we play Cam Johnson, a dude like Bobby Portis can probably outmuscle him. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that's the biggest problem that Cam Johnson has had is, you know, dudes who are a little bigger, a little stronger can just kind of go through him. And so I do like Milwaukee's huge. Their lineup is fucking yeah. huge. And I do wonder, you know, the Suns. The one series they've really, really, really struggled so far was the Lakers series, and the Lakers are huge. And so I do, yeah. you know, those it's a things. Concern. Yeah, it's a concern. Like if, like, like just legitimately, no disrespect, but like if it had been the Hawks, I would have been like, like, I love Free the Hawks, smoke. but yeah, there's, there's, there's <laughs> they're just not ready for this. But the Bucks, with or without Giannis, I think are a different story. So I, you know, yeah. I respect I respect the hell out of them. You know me. I've been on the Bucks for too long. And of course, this year I abandoned them and they make the finals. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> right as you jump ship. Right. Isn't that, as always you the, jump. isn't that always the fucking way it goes, man? I was just like, I'm not, I don't believe in this team anymore. Do you mm-hmm. um how do you feel about Giannis health? Like, do you worry about that? You think he'll be fine? Like, what's your I know it's impossible to know the answer to that, but what what do you what do you feel about it, I guess? I feel like for the rest of the series, we'll be seeing a hampered Giannis. But I feel like he is willing to take that chance instead of going with the, oh, if maybe if I tried, 
uh, something else could have happened. So I, I expect him to at least go out and see if he's capable of doing it because we've seen in the past, he has fought through injuries before. And I mean, I I don't mean this in a dickish way, but like truthfully his game, I mean, it lends itself fairly well to playing through injuries because if you're only shooting from within five feet, like, you know, and I know it's hard for him to elevate and go through people in the same way, but I'm just saying like, you know, your knee is hard. It's really difficult to, your, your knee is, you know, hurting. It's really difficult to then like, you know, bag a bunch of 38 footers and you know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. I, I think he will have, I still think he's going to be Giannis to some extent, especially if, if he does sit out the first game. I mean, he's been doing on court work. I hope the best for him. Like I hate injuries suck, man. I just really hope that he's able to provide. I hope he's honest. I, I don't know. You know, I would love it if he was Giannis and scored 40 every game and the sun still won. Like that would be my, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's your dream match there. Huh? Well, um, for all we know, he is perfectly recovered and it's just a precautionary thing because all they said to us is it's a hyperextension. That's all they said to us. We don't know what extent it was. Yeah. So for all we know, he's good to go and they just been keeping it under wraps. It, it definitely, it will always be interesting me to me that they were struggling with the Hawks in that series. And then Giannis went out and then they absolutely whooped their asses. I know Trey young went out too, but he was, he was still in there in game six and and the bucks just walk right through. And I'm like, he didn't even play that well in game six. I know. I know. And the other thing is though, it's like, dude, you guys realize like Chris Vernon was saying, it's like, you guys realize you could play this way with Giannis too. He's also very big. Like you don't have to, you don't have to stop going to the basket. Like they, the Bucks are interesting, man. Like they just they're bar- they, I, they want to fire a barrage of threes, and it's like, yeah, but you're bigger than everyone else. I want them to play poorly, so I hope that they do that. Well, I think the best thing about Giannis being out was Brooke Lopez starting to go back to playing in the post there, right? Because we're really seeing the man still got a one-two post moves. And it's like, now we understand why he hasn't been going into the post because he'd be clogging the lane for Giannis to do his thing. Yeah, it definitely, that's the thing. Like, the Bucks can't play this way, really, with Giannis on the court because Giannis can't yeah. shoot. Like, so they can't have, you know, Brooke Lopez in the post. And although, I mean, again, the Bobby Portis thing, that that shocked me more than anything else. Like, just... You know, you're playing crazy eyes. Uh, yeah, crazy eyes. Like Middleton doesn't shock me at all when he has a good game. Holiday is finally starting to live up to you know what they expected. He's been terrible all playoffs. Well, he was pretty good in game oh, six. Oh, definitely. But man, I yeah. The, you know, I think my issue with him is it's not so much that he's making the shots now, it's just when he was playing that third spot, he wasn't making the shots that he was given then. Yeah, And it's like, now that he's getting more burn, now there's more expectation. Now it seems like he's answering the call. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's almost as if you weren't succeeding in the role that you were brought in to play. Yeah. And that's, I mean, to an extent, that's that's understandable because he's going to go back to that role when Giannis returns. He's not going to get, you know, 25 shots or whatever it is. Um not, I mean, I, I would assume everyone's role would reduce. I, and see, that's another thing. I wonder, like, because 
like when KD's hurt, right? You can yep. still put him beyond the three-point line, and everyone has to defend him because he's going to bag, you know, even if he's hurt, he can still bag triples. He still has so much gravity. If Giannis mm-hmm. is hurt, playing him is almost like it hurts you because he can't shoot. So <clears throat> no one guards him. And, you know, if he just stands out there, there's not a whole lot that can be done. It's so, just a pylon, essentially. It, exactly. So it's one of those scenarios where, like, if I'm the Bucks and he's not, like, 90%, like, I'm probably not playing him because, I mean <sighs> – he can't like he officially can't shoot like he Ben Simmons can't shoot like I know he has his games every now and then but it's like it just sucks because you know he just he's got to get that mid-ranger down if he gets the mid-ranger down it'll be good but he just can't you can't even stand outside the three-point line and make open threes I feel like even just getting a post game would really change things for him because if he has the post game and he can just do passes out of the post like even that would be serviceable enough. I don't feel like his game has changed substantially in the last two years. No, like, it's the same, Giannis. Yeah, it's like the same I don't. Giannis. Like I don't think. That, like I think he worked a lot on the threes, and it didn't take. I think he's worked a little bit on the mid range game, and he's got that a little bit. I think that he's screening sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes he and he's screening more maybe. But like when you think of like some of the great vets. You know, like Michael Jordan added a move yeah. every offseason, right? And I'm not saying that Giannis should be Michael Jordan. Like, I understand that. But I mean, like, when I watch on his play, I'm like, he just has not substantially changed since he won his first MVP. And I don't, like, you have to grow. And mm-hmm. I guess they've broken through the finals, so who the hell cares? But again, it's like, yeah, they broke through when he wasn't even playing. Like, I just, I've been so pro Giannis I've been such a Giannis guy that and maybe it's because I'm sitting here now for the first time really looking at him you know through a critical light since he's playing you know my team but it's like you sit here and watch him he's amazing I'm not trying to you know when you when you get to this level you have to nitpick but it's like what has he changed in the last two years and it's like he's worked the only thing is he's worked on his shooting but it's gotten worse the man can't make a free throw he takes two hours. He changed to up the mechanics. He changed up the mechanics. Oh my goodness. Dude, he would shoot a better percentage if he just walked to the line and just threw the ball up. Like he sits there for so long <laughs> and aims. Like thinking too much about it. When oh you think God, too yeah. much about it, that's when you miss. That's when you miss. And the other thing is the underhanded thing. Like, I know shooting underhanded doesn't look cool, but it's just been proven that you'll shoot a statistically better percentage if you do it, and guys just won't do it. Who proved that? Rick Barry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I need to see that. I need to see that. No, for real, though, man. Like, I I mean, Will Chamberlain shot underhanded? Like, there have been plenty of dudes who shot underhanded because they couldn't, like, like, didn't Will Chamberlain shoot underhand? Now I'm just, like, throwing shit out there right now. I could be totally wrong. And anyway, if I was Giannis, I would do any single thing I could to not be shooting 30 fucking 7% in playoff series. You know what I'm saying? Like, regardless of whatever it is. And the man is just – all he's doing is taking longer at the line. Like, I don't know. And, and I worry, like, now that I'm, like, talking shit about him, he's going to come out and score 40 a game and, like, throw everything in my face, and I'm just going to be like, you motherfucker. But – 
It comes with the territory. That's what it, it is. That's what it is, baby. That's what it is to yeah. be here. Do you? How do you feel about uh, Crowder? How do you feel I, about Crowder? In this I, I fucking love Jay Crowder, and I think that you know, having played with Miami against Giannis in the bubble is, you know, a huge boost. Uh, I think he has a lot of. I think he knows what works with Giannis, and. You know, not that the Suns necessarily have the exact same personnel as Miami. I would say that the personnel are better, to be completely honest with you. And, you know, I mean, Spolster's yeah. a great coach. Maybe we don't have Jimmy Butler, but, like, I would rather have Chris Paul and Devin Booker than Jimmy Butler. So, you know, whatever. Of course but, you would. Oh, of course I would. <laughs> I know not everyone would agree with me, but fuck those people. I'm in the finals and they're not. So, <laughs> fuck your shit. <laughs> that's that's it part two that's the name we they i just personally i think that i think that i think that that was the best move of the offseason not named the chris paul trade okay yeah like i I don't i can't think of any other move from any other team that i guess okay i guess drew holiday would be the move that you could argue was was significantly better because it got the you know the the Bucks in the finals. I suppose you could make that argument, but I just think Jay Crowder, dude, his plus minus in the Lakers series was so fucking good. He was like far and away the best player on the court, and he wasn't even making shots because his defense was so unbelievably rigid, and his passing is good, and he's a timely shooter, if not necessarily a consistent shooter. Yeah. I, I love Jay Crowder. Hit some clutch shots. Like he hit some shots that like weathered a storm. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, he almost, I mean, against the Bucks in the bubble, he shot those motherfuckers out of the gym. There were multiple <laughs> games where Crowder had 20 because, you know, the Bucks didn't shift their strategy. And this is the other thing, man. Like, do you think that Budenholzer is like, what do you like? I think Budenholzer is a terrible coach. I used to think he was a good coach, and I, I just basically settled on if you need someone to come in the room and get a bunch of dudes to play coach. He's a regular season yeah. coach. That's that's my thing. He's a regular season coach. You know, he how knows we, how to do it in the regular season, but when it comes down to the nitty gritty, watching from game to game, quarter to quarter, I don't think he's got that it that you look for for a championship coach. I I agree. And I also think, you know how we talk about like floor raising versus ceiling raising players, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like, uh, you know, Giannis raises your floor, but doesn't necessarily raise your ceiling because he still needs Middleton to close the game kind of thing. And Steph Curry doesn't necessarily raise your floor because he needs, you know, a bunch of players who can play a certain way. But if you put him on a really good team, they go super nova. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. So, so you don't get me started. So, you know what I'm saying? I think that Budenholzer is the same way as a coach. He's a floor raiser, not a ceiling raiser. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like, I like that analogy. Like he's a really good coach to get an A to B, like come in, get the system going, figure out the way we play. And then you fire him and bring in the real coach who gets you to the championship. (laughs) Like, yes. Yeah, I think so. Of course, if the Bucks win this year, then I'm just wrong. How do you feel about that matchup though? Coaching wise, the Budenholzer versus Monty Williams. I like Monty over Budenholzer in this matchup. Hell yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I don't even really think it's much of a discussion to be completely honest. Like, Like, what was there to talk about? I just think the Suns' offense is infinitely more complicated. Like you watch the way that 
the Suns play from, you know, the Lakers series to now. And like, are there consistencies? Of course, but like the way that the Suns are running the pick and roll, the way they operate at the end of games, like the other night, um, I think it was in game six, I saw them run the the elevators play where, and th- this is like a thing from like five years ago. Yeah. Th- I haven't seen anyone run that in the NBA in forever. And I saw them run. Golden State of- was infamous for that. Dude. Yeah. And, and, and the Suns ran it the other night and, it, I think they missed, but like it generated a completely wide open shot because the Clippers were like, what the fuck? And so like Monty, dude, he's like running. He's running. One of my other favorite plays is he ran. He ran a horn set and then he ran a double pick and roll out or a, or a double screen out of an ATO into a like give and go. And I'm like, I'm like, this is like nerd basketball heaven shit. He's like, running, <laughs> he's like, he's running like these awesome plays. It was a lot like the conference finals last year when it was the Celtics and the Heat. And it's just like, you know, they're running like all these different sets. And I just love Monty Williams so much. I, I really do. I I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, also, campaign. Who's he? He's most likely going to be seeing Drew Holiday for more the most part, I believe. If it's not Chris Paul, it'll be campaign he'd be guarding. That's that's an interesting one because, I mean, I I think that I think that Cam is faster than Drew Holiday, but Drew is so long. You know, he's got those seven. Yeah, those seven and he might play wingspan. a little bit more physical too. Yeah, I, I do. That was there were a couple of guys in the Clippers series who, you know, because Cam was just blowing by dudes in the Lakers and Nuggets series. So he's like, all right, I'm going to do the same thing. Well, you know, Marcus Morris and Paul George were able to contain that a lot more. Um, You know, Marcus Morris looked pretty goddamn good in that series. I hate that motherfucker, but man, he played pretty damn well. Um, Yeah. And I was trying to compete with Markeith from last year. Yeah, I know, right? He had to get that ring. Markeith was sitting on the sidelines wearing a Clippers hat with his Lakers ring on. I was like, dude, someone outside is not going to like that dog. Like, don't you got to be careful in Los Angeles, man. They don't care who you are. Like LA is dangerous, man. I almost got killed a bunch of times when I lived there and I wasn't even doing anything. Like one time I was doing something, but I was just talking trash about sports. So it wasn't even like, I didn't think someone should kill me for that, but they still threatened it. You know how LA is dog. I'm just saying, but it's, Yo, I'm not, dude, when I, li- I lived in Long Beach, man. Like, it was, it was like, like I had, yo, there were events. Anyway, so <laughs> the point is, I can see Drew Holiday posing that same kind of issue for campaign, just like with his length. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to think that Cam can figure that out because he's figured everything out. So, else out. you know, the Lakers put LeBron on campaign at the end of that series and he just blew right by him. So, I yeah, mean, once he beat him to the corner, it was done. Done. Like he just has that nice little stride once he goes up with the layup there. Oh god, it's beautiful. Is 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 that the role player that you think like is the biggest effect in this series, this campaign on on at least for the Suns? Uh between him and um Cam Johnson. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those two. Yeah, those those bench. I minutes. wouldn't even be surprised at some point where like, oh, should they get one of the finals MVP? 
I feel like we might get one of those in this series too. One of the role players might look like a MVP candidate. I think that I think DeAndre could end up having a really good shot at Finals MVP too because if if the Bucks do the thing with Lopez where you know they drop everything and he gives DeAndre you know space DeAndre can just bag those mid-range jumpers and then if he starts hugging him DeAndre can go right by Lopez I really think the biggest key is the Suns have got to run as much pick and roll as they can with DeAndre to get Lopez in motion make him move because he wants to basically stand near the basket and affect shots you know what I'm saying and if as much as they can do to get Lopez away from the rim or in motion not as much you know affecting cam campaign drives or whatever like i really think those things are key like this is a series to me that's going to be one like in those little details because both teams can shoot both teams can defend both teams have superstar players you know this is not even with or without Giannis. like i sit here and say sons and four but i understand like what's actually at stake here i understand how good chris middleton is and by the way i do think those backup minutes guarding chris middleton those are going to be huge. Is it Tory Craig or is it Cam Johnson? Because if Cam yeah. Johnson becomes unplayable in this series, then that Who means Tory Craig Mikhail plays Bridges constantly. On? Well, I think to start the series, Mikhail will get if if Giannis is not out there. I think that Mikhail will get Chris Middleton, and if Giannis is out there, I think that Mikhail will guard Giannis to start. And I well. They'll probably switch between Mikhail and, and Jay. Uh, it just depends on. I could honestly see them putting Jay on Giannis and then just keeping Mikhail on Middleton. It just sort of depends. I don't know if Mikhail is strong enough to hang with Giannis, but I mean, he can strip the ball. His arms are so long. I don't know. That's that's a tough one for me. What would you do? I think you start with Jay on. Giannis, just because he's seen him the most recent out of everybody. Yeah. Set the tone. Yeah. Be like, hey, this is what you do. This is how you guard him, essentially. Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably the smartest thing. I, 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 the only reason I say Mikhail is Mikhail usually gets our premium defensive. You know, Mikhail is our ace defender. And so mm. when the question of who gets the toughest defensive assignment comes up, Mikhail, Mikhail is the one. But like, yeah. to be truthful, like who is the harder defensive assignment between Middleton and Giannis? Like Giannis is physically more demanding, but like you don't know what Middleton's going to do on every play. He's he's cutting. He's working the mid range. He's firing triples. Middleton's all over the place. I almost think that's a more demanding like at least mentally. Let's see why you say that. Yeah, but yeah. Giannis physically, obviously, he's a fucking. There's more to ball. think about, is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Well, because you're chasing Middleton around, he's scoring from different places. He's cutting. He's screening. He's doing all these things. I'm not saying that's necessarily harder than dealing with the wrecking ball that is Giannis, but I mean, they're both incredibly difficult things to do. Let's just be honest. The real question, I think, is who guards Holiday because, like. I don't think Chris Paul can. I don't know if Chris Paul, like that's, that's one thing I worry about is like, if you're doing the whole Chris Paul campaign thing on Drew holiday, like I said this about the nets, like why wouldn't the bucks just 
for three to four possessions, go to a post up and just let holiday go to work. Cause we know holiday can post smaller guards. And this is something I said about the nets is like, he could do this shit to Kyrie and you just get, you just get two, three buckets easy and force them to change what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? And so Mm -hmm. like, I don't see, that's something I worry about a little. And that's where I think Devin Booker is going to have to switch onto holiday and they're going to have to put Paul onto Bryn Forbes or Connaughton or whatever the hell the, you know, the bucks are, are doing on the, at Game the one guard. of those uh, lesser guys. Yeah. Or if PJ Tucker is playing, put Chris Paul and PJ Tucker in the corner. And I think that Booker is going to have to take on the assignment of guarding drew holiday. And not that that's the most difficult thing in the world, but drew can play. And yeah, I think the Bucks are going to do everything they can to try to isolate and attack Booker on defense to wear him out. And I think that if Devin can fight through those screens and make Drew Holiday's life just a little bit harder, I think that's fucking huge because I just really think he has to be the one because otherwise you have to start like mixing up the lineups where, you know, I I mean, and, and the Suns have a lot of wings and, you know, they've got a lot of guys who can do different things, but it starts to get difficult because the Suns want to play a couple of minutes a game with campaign and Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And if those guys can't guard anyone, then you start to not be able to do that. So I think defensively Devin is actually going to have to be really huge in this series because I mean, the bucks still do have multiple stars here. Like I, you know, people are acting like this team is Giannis only. And I just, I, I get annoyed with that. Like this team is really good. There's a lot of really good players on it, and it's not. Well, they're in the right. finals for a reason. You can't get to the finals with having nobody who can play. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and the other thing too is like if Giannis being out means that you can't win, then that means that you're not a championship team. Like no one team should be built such that they would have literally no chance. Cause it's only a seven game series. It's not like anyone's asked you to win 65 regular season games and four playoff series. If you have literally no chance in the series, then you're not a, a, you know, a championship team. And by the way, I don't think that about the bucks either. Like legitimately, like, again, I talk trash, but taking the trash talk out of it and talking analysis, I don't, I don't think this Bucks team, even if Giannis didn't play a minute, I don't think they have zero chance. I think that this team is very good. I think that they're significantly better than people give them credit for. And I think that Chris Middleton is a lot better than people realize. And hell, if Brooke Lopez wants to go all Brooklyn Nets, you know, Brooke Lopez, then that's this is a whole <laughs> new ball game, right? Like this is the thing, right? You have to step up when your players are out, like next man up. And the Bucks have done that. This is what a championship team does, in my opinion. So, like, respect to the Bucks. You know, I don't think they're a joke at all. I hear a lot of people talking shit, and I'm just like, okay, I'm supposed to be the one talking shit here. You're not supposed to make me defend this team. Like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. I just want it to be a good set of games, whether it's four or seven, as long as I see some good basketball played. I'm watching as a fan of the game. I ain't got no stake in it, although I should be making a couple of bets, but (laughs) I just want to see some good basketball. What's your pick? Like, okay, let me put it to you this way. Not not what you want to see. What's your gambler's pick? If you were putting your money down, if you were putting your money down, what team and then how many games? Suns and six. Suns and six. I think that's I think that's a pretty legitimate pick. So yes, Suns sir. and six, is that based on Giannis playing, not playing? 
you think he's going to be like, are you just, or do, okay, let me, let me rephrase the question. Let's say that Giannis is 90% of himself starting with game two. So let's say that he sits out game one because he's doubtful. Mm-hmm. And then starting with game two, Giannis is 90% of himself. Where's home court again? Suns do have home court. Okay. Um, I think the Suns win game one handily. Mm-hmm. I feel like a Kung Po comes back game two. It's close for a little bit. Suns win that. I think Bucks win a close game three. Suns win a close game four. Bucks steal one on the road. And Suns win in Milwaukee. So you think it's Suns and six either way? It doesn't like change your opinion of it. Yeah. So would that have been your opinion coming in if Giannis hadn't gotten hurt against Atlanta at all? Yes, that would have been okay. the same stance. That's what I think too. Like I, I I'm totally biased. Um, I'm still pick, I'm still saying Suns and four. The real reason I want Suns and four is because I'm supposed to leave town, and if the Suns sweep, I can still go to the championship parade. So yeah, <laughs> so, so I'm just really hoping. But um, no, I um. I just think the Suns are a really good matchup for the Bucks. I think we have a better coaching team. I think that our backcourt plays significantly better because they really only have one star guard and we have two. I think that our depth is better. Like I just, I, there are guys that I trust down the Suns bench, and I don't think that Milwaukee has those. And speaking of that, like Tory Craig, the Bucks literally handed Tory Craig to the Suns for cash, and like. If that dude ends up being a huge part of this series, and he might, because I really think Torrey Craig is going to get a huge chunk of the minutes off the bench, especially defending Middleton. So, like, if Torrey Craig ends up having a really good series when the Bucks could use another stretchy defensive wing right now, like, that mistake could really come back to haunt them. Now, I know that it, you know, it opens up yeah. the door for them to get P.J. Tucker, and P.J. Tucker did a good job defending Kevin Durant. I understand that. But you're going to tell me that Torrey Craig was the dude that you dumped. There was no one else that you could have gotten rid of, like – it was a stupid decision, one that I'm very grateful for because Tory Craig has been awesome since coming to Phoenix. Yes, but. yes. Uh, Tory Craig minutes are winning minutes. Tory Craig minutes are winning minutes. You think you're tired of hearing that? I fucking scream at every goddamn game. My, <laughs> it's everyone is like, dude, can you, can you, we, we get it. Tory Craig, that's, that's great. You love Tory Craig. I'm, I'm, I'm with it though. I, I just think this is, I think this is the Suns year. I just think it's, it's too team of destiny oriented. Like everything just feels the stars and, aligned. Yeah. It's just, it's just the year. And it's going to be really interesting going into next season, how those things, how it all plays out. I hope that Chris Paul stays, but let me ask you this. Let's say that the Suns do. Speaking win. of the, speaking of Chris Paul though, I did hear something about the Knicks might be a potential landing spot. Yeah, of you course. Think- because- do you think he could do the same thing do you think he could do the same thing with the knicks or something close to it maybe something like what he did in okc okay well number one he's not leaving the suns but let's say in a a hypothetical in a hypothetical world where he did yeah hell yeah because i mean the knicks were incredibly good this year and i do think that the leap that julius randall made was real even though he wasn't so good in the playoffs but imagine that you take the creativity load off randall next year let next year let him still cook let rj barrett do his thing but then you just let chris paul run the offense it's essentially the same thing that they did in phoenix this year i don't think that 
I don't think that you could go to the title with that team. I don't like, cause I don't think that they have anyone nearly as good as Devin Booker. And do you think would, Thibodeau and Chris Paul would work together? Um, I think it would work because I think the thing about Thibodeau is he cares so much more about defense and Chris Paul cares about defense too. And I don't think that he would have a problem letting Chris run his offense. If Chris did defensively what Thibs wanted, I think that he would be fine letting Chris run the offense. You know what I mean? Like I, I hear you. Okay. Because I think he lets Derek Rose do his thing because Derek knows what Tom wants. And I think yeah. it would be the same thing. Like, I don't think that, I don't think they could get to the finals or anything, but I think they could certainly go to like maybe an Eastern conference finals. Like why couldn't they be this year, next year's Hawks? Like, of course, I mean, yeah. I, I, I could see that. I, I do think that that's a little bit easier in the Eastern conference. Um, you know, I think the West is a bloodbath every year. So I think yeah. it's a little bit easier to do in the East. Um, it would rely on RJ Barrett taking another large step forward though. That's facts. Yeah. He needs to get better with that right hand usage. That's for sure. He's, you know, the thing about RJ Barrett that I, I just feel like he catches the ball and stands around too much. The thing I like about Anthony Edwards is every time Anthony Edwards gets the ball, he does something. Now it's not always smart. He knows what he wants to do. He just wants to score. He attacks, he shoots, he just does something. And RJ Barrett, when he does that, when he has that 0.5 attitude of shoot, pass, attack, you know, I think he's really good. But when he gets in his own head and is like, I'm going to go Kobe and I'm going to go Kyrie and I'm going to shake these fools. Like it doesn't work. You just, he's a, he's a wrecking ball. Just be that just go to the rim or just shoot. Like quick decisions are the difference between RJ Barrett being a good and great player, in my opinion. And I still think he hesitates way too much. And I just, every time I watch him play, like if RJ Barrett played like Anthony Edwards, I think he'd be a much better player. Like I, and I know that Edwards is younger, so it's weird to be like, look at that younger guy and look up to him. But I just think <laughs> that's kind of what I think. I um, what? Um, so here's a question though. Let's say that. So I say that Chris Paul is the second best point guard ever. How do you feel about that? Right now, regardless of whether or not the Suns win this title, yes. Well, I say that only Magic Johnson is better at the point guard position. That's what I would say. If we're looking at the original definition of what a point guard is and not based on who plays at the position, then yeah, I guess you, you can put him up there. But what about so, so you? Curry is the right because Steph Curry plays point guard. Yes, he is not a point guard. Even though he does, he doesn't play like a point guard. The fact that he's the the fact that I feel like a lot of people like I feel we have to look at it differently because the way he play makes is off of the strength that he is the greatest shooter ever versus somebody who is running offense being a floor general. I feel like it's just two different ways of playing the point guard position. So that's why you have to put him in that conversation. So, so you're saying you think that Steph Curry plays a different version of point guard. 
or yes. a new version of point guard. Yes. I think Steph Curry is just the best two guard of all time because <laughs> his primary mode of operation at all times is score first. His secondary. That's focus. his lethal way. Like that's, yeah. that's how he's lethal. He's lethal because of his score not because of his playmaking. The, the only reason I say that Curry is not a point guard is, and I, I, I don't, it's not even denigrating. And I understand mm. it's also stupid and nitpicky, but I just like to argue. So I'm doing it. So the Curry doesn't organize the offense. The offense has to be yeah. organized in a specific way for him. Draymond green is truly the warriors point guard. Like if we were, if we were looking at how you, you know, the traditional way that you actually labeled things like Draymond is really the point guard. He really structures the offense more than anyone else. Yeah. They and, pass it off to Draymond and then they'll do their relocating their off ball movement. And then boom, back to you. Shot. So, and that's why they were so special is because they really were playing a different brand of basketball that no one else was capable of playing. Yeah. Like you can't just play. But the league's basketball. caught up now. The league's yeah. caught up now. Well, the league's caught up, but Clay's also been injured for two years. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, has the league caught up or has Clay just been hurt? We'll see what happens. But it's like we see this all the time. We see this all the time. Like every time there's a new champion, we thought that the Seattle Seahawks were going to be a dynasty because of the way they ran cover two. And then all of a sudden, Pete Carroll's still running the same cover two different personnel but they're getting cooked like teams are beating the or not cover two cover three sorry where everybody drops back into coverage they come down to make their tackle like teams are beating those cover three plays now they have cover three beaters in the league like once upon a time we thought that the read option was the biggest thing and now it's like hardly any teams like you have a couple teams that still run the those option plays but like it's not as unstoppable as it was when it first came into the league. That's just right. the way it always is. Yeah. Well, I do I do get a little bit, and again, I know this is biased, but I do get a little bit of a 2015 Warriors feeling with the Suns, if only because Devin Booker is 24 years old. DeAndre Ayton is 22 years old. Mikhail Bridges is 24 years old. This team is not going anywhere. Like the core is there. And let's yeah. say that Chris Paul, even if Chris Paul left, campaign has been fucking on their awesome. own feet now yeah. essentially and so i just i just think i think this team is i don't think this run is anywhere near done i think that they'll the next, be in the mix they'll definitely oh yeah. be in the mix for so the okay this this leads me to another question i wanted to ask you um so over the next five years i say devin booker is the best two guard in the nba over the age, next five years over the next five years from his age 25 to his age 30 season i don't think you're gonna have a better two guard in the league what do you think about that can you just about list like, off just list off the next couple i mean two guards i mean zach levine is 26 donovan okay. mitchell is also 24 okay. do you know that donovan mitchell is actually older than devin booker despite coming into the league two years after him donovan mitchell is actually older wow um, so yeah booker donovan came mitchell, in when he was a baby he was a 19 he, he he was 18 when he was, he was drafted. 18 oh. yeah he was he he made the cutoff because you know you have to turn 19 by like october 31st or something yeah, he made the cutoff November like or... yeah he it was 
he barely made the cutoff for, wow. for the NBA draft, but he was the youngest player in the league for like his, he was, he's been younger, was younger than dudes who were drafted for a couple of years. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, I mean, James Harden, you could argue again, I just said Steph. So Steph Curry, um, you know, these are, you know, some of the other people, I mean, I guess technically Tyler hero, uh, well, I mean, based off of all those names, then I'm going with Booker ahead right? of all those names. Then, but like, like, outside of Harden, but Harden, he's he's on the back end essentially now at this point in his career. I, I mean, I feel like the three names that everyone would say would be Booker, Donovan Mitchell, and then Jamal Murray. But it's hard to know what Jamal Murray is going to be just because you know coming off the injury, like it's hard to. Yeah. I feel for him, but I think those are the three names that everyone would say. And of those three, like I'm taking Booker. I like, agree. Did you like Did you like Jamal Murray more than Booker before the injury, or were you? Well, I, I always I thought he played the point guard position more than the shooting guard. That's like, true. So I I was Jamal really looking has, at him as a shooting guard in that sense. Jamal has grown into a point guard a lot more over these last couple seasons. Yeah. He, he's he's grown into that role a lot more. That's fair. I can, especially the way that Denver plays. With him running so much of a two-man game with Jokic, would you put Brad Beal in that same conversation there as well? Then, yeah, I think for the next five years, I think you have to because he's still only what twenty-nine. So I think that you have to, and technically, you have to put Paul George there too. I mean, I guess if you say that Paul George is a three, not a two. I mean, he plays the two at times. I guess, I I guess, not so much anymore. No, not really. He did, but like for the next five years, you kind of want youth. So yeah, I'd still go with Booker. That's what I'm saying. Like if you were let's like if you were handing out a five year deal to any two guard today and you could just pick anyone you wanted, go Booker. I, I think you would pick Booker. Yeah. I, I just I just think he's the one. What about um DeAndre Ayton is the top three center in the league for the next five years? Yes. Behind only maybe and 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 Jokic. Yeah. Yeah. Would you consider taking him over Joker? Jokic? For the next five years, or Embiid, just with the injuries, since Aiton is twenty-two, or I'd be willing or, to make the conversation with Embiid, not Jokic, not with Jokic. Okay, yeah. So, oh, so you're not you're not that big of an Embiid guy, then? I am an Embiid guy, but I just feel like the he's not getting any younger, and like he's uh, 26, 27. Like I feel like if he doesn't fix the diet from now. Like once he hits that 30 mark, that's when we're going to start seeing that decline. Yeah. I'll throw another one in here for you. And I think I know what the answer is going to be. Just going back to the other one. I know he's not technically a two guard, but let's just include it. What about Luca? If I put Luca with Booker and Zach Levine and Brad Beal and all of them, are you taking Luca over Booker? I won't be offended if you say yes. I understand how much everyone loves Luca. <sighs> I'm, no, still I'm, still Booker. Booker. I'm still taking Booker. I'm still taking. Yeah, I'm still taking Booker over. Look, I know that that's sacrilege to people, but yeah. I just don't. I'm not as high on Luca as everyone else is. It's. I think he's great. <laughs> I just don't think he's as great as everyone else thinks he is. Like, it's just what I, I will mean. say. I don't think there's much more he can add to his game at this point because he's already. He can already do almost anything he wants on offense. I think the only thing that really can improve is efficiency at this point. That's really the only thing you can ask for from him. Yeah. I mean, he's got to be able to shoot, you know, better. I mean, 
his shooting percentages are just not good enough. I mean, there's just really no other way to describe yeah. it. Like, I don't really. Because, like, he's not the most athletic guy. Like, like his, his game's not predicated on athleticism. It's, like, when you're, you reach your athletic prime from, like, 26 to, like, 29, that's, like, that main peak window. So maybe we'll see something greater at that point, but it's, like, uh, he's he's already kept plateaued as an offensive player. It's just a matter of just winning at this point. Yeah, my thing with Luca is just you know he shoots thirty two percent for three, and everyone's like, oh, he's eventually going to be better. And I'm just like, what are you basing that on? Like, you know, I used to sit here and argue, well, Booker will definitely eventually be a fifty forty ninety shooter, and it's like. He's a 36% three-point shooter, but he's a killer in mid-range and he does all these other things. Like guys are what they are. Maybe mm-hmm. certain things can be improved or whatever, but people treat Luca like he's a dead eye shooter and he's not. They treat him like he's, you know, some incredible athlete. He's not. Like he's not in shape. Like I don't, you know. I don't know. I don't understand. Like, you know what? I'm just <laughs> I'm just going to say this, man. I'm just going to – I think that Luca gets a pass oh, for a lot boy. of stuff because he's white. I think that Luca gets a pass for a lot of stuff because he's white. I think that the white media loves to compare him to LeBron, and they don't play in the same way at all. And, you know, LeBron is actually athletic and can dunk and does all these things, and Luca is fat James Harden, and I just don't – I just – He's I just, been trying to find the next LeBron. Yeah. And the next James Harden – Plays in Houston right now. His name is Kevin Porter Jr. Thank you very much. <laughs> How is it possible that I just said that Luca gets a pass because he's white and then you said a, a hotter take in the next sentence? Like, how is that possible? You just said the next James <laughs> Harden is KPJ. That's because I'm That's right, right about because I'm right about Luca. That's why, by the way. Um <laughs> It's true, man. It's fucking true. And you know it's true. You don't need to say it. I know you know it's fucking true. I plead the fifth. <laughs> it's, dude, I don't even. <laughs> Kevin Porter Jr., that was one hell of a story, man. Like, just kind of coming man, out of nowhere. As like, a Cavs fan, oh, I was yeah. triggered by the fact that we gave him away for pennies. That was ugly. Like, I mean, I don't. They have a their organization is. I, I feel for you. The he needs to sell. He needs to sell. Daddy oh, yeah. Gilbert needs to go. Yep. We'll never prosper without LeBron if this guy is still there. He needs to just focus on StockX and leave basketball management alone. I, you know, to be fair. Robert Sarver, like I hated him forever, but the minute that the sun started getting better was the minute that he promoted James Jones, fired Ryan McDonough and said to James Jones, I'm going to let you make the decisions and I'm going to stay out of your way. And the minute that he did that, everything has gotten better for, for the Suns. And yeah, Dan Gilbert would have to do the same thing. He would have to hire someone and step out of the way. And he's simply unwilling to do that. He's, you know, he just believes that he's a genius and he hands on knows everything. And you know, that is what that is, man. I don't know. I feel for you, dude. Like it's, 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 it's ugly. So finals MVP, are you picking campaign for finals MVP? Is that, are you going that far out on a limb or like if you were, again, if you were betting. Betting. Yeah. Cause I like, I kind of feel like if Chris Paul does anything, I think he's the getting, safe bet is Chris Paul. I if feel he like does, that's the safe bet. 
if he does anything in this series, they're giving him the legacy finals MVP. Unless yeah. unless Booker scores like 40 a game. Like but if we're going like a hot, hot take. A oh, hot yeah. take. I can, I can see it on your face. You have one. <laughs> if we had if I had a hot take, I say Jay Crowder for finals <laughs> MVP. <laughs> okay. Andre you know Iguodala the- style. This, Audrey, is why, this is why I love you so much because I was just about to say there is precedent for this shit. I was just about to say the 2015 Andre Iguodala Finals MVP. There is precedent for this shit. Hey, that's a good pick. What do you think that is right now? That's got to be like 25 to 1 or 30 to 1 or something. It might be. It might be. Dude, I almost, in like 2014 or whatever it was, Kawhi Leonard was 18 to 1. Or 2015, whenever it was, he won his 2014. First 2014. Yeah, I was Kawhi was 18 to one, and I was so close to betting on that. And then I, I was like, if they win, Kawhi would be the reason. And I, I, I bitched out. And I didn't do it. I was a, Dang. I was a weak little boy. I weaked out, and I, I didn't do it. But that would have been awesome. But, uh, but damn, dude, Jay Crowder. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Because, see, I would – my thing is I think it will be Chris Paul unless Booker scores 40 a game. My hot take would be Aiton. It's not even that hot of a take. I just – I'd be okay with that. That would probably be my third pick. Yeah. I just think there's a sneaky good chance that, like, he has a couple of 2020 games and then maybe he has one game where he eclipses 30 for, like, the first time. And, you know, if he has one game where he has, like – Depending 20, on how 50, much minutes he plays, too. That's the other thing, too. It's, like – he does have to stay out of foul trouble. That yeah. is the one thing that if I'm if I'm the Bucks, I'm like, all right. In the first couple of minutes of the game, I'm dumping the ball to Lopez and I'm trying to draw fouls on DeAndre Ayton. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going old school and up because when Ayton comes out, the Suns have nobody. Like, dude, I don't want to see Frank Kaminsky. Center? It's either Kaminsky? Frank Kaminsky or Dario Saric. It's been oh. Dario. It's been Dario, but I don't want to see Dario guarding Lopez. That's like a dream I don't want to ever. <laughs> that's that's horrifying, dude. Like on offense, at least he would make Lopez stand away from the rim. But dude, Dario, he would just Lopez would just go right through him. I mean, that's you know Dario can't hang. I would prefer Frank Kaminsky, to be completely honest with you. I think that Kaminsky's a better you know defender against a dude like Lopez, but. Mm-hmm. You know, Frank hasn't gotten minutes since the Lakers series, so he's not about to now. So, nope. Not uh, Monty really. Uh, Monty's interesting. He sticks with his guys, man. Like, like he was playing Etwan Moore in that Clippers series, and I was like, Etwan don't, Moore. don't, don't play Etwan Moore, man. Like, that was I really wanted him to play Javon Carter, but he was playing Etwan Moore all the minutes that it wasn't campaign or Chris Paul, and I was just like, oh. <laughs> Hey. hey man, I feel like every team has that one dude where like, why are you on the court? <laughs> yeah. And I, I hate to be that way because like Etuan Moore is such a good veteran. He's known Monty a long time. And truthfully, he played he played better in game two. In game one, he was he was horrible. But yeah, man, that that game two was crazy. Like the Valley Oop and this whole playoff run, dude. This has just been like the most ridiculous. Do you, let me ask you this. Do you think that there has been I would say that the value, the DeAndre Ayton dunk, is the most iconic shot in the NBA since Kawhi Leonard's four bounce around shot against the 76ers. Yes or no? 
are you, how you feel about the the AD shot over the AD three against the Nuggets? Yeah, like, I feel over, like that one's up there as well. Over Jokic to win. Yeah, I was thinking that could be yeah. that one was that one was. That's huge. probably like the top three. It was probably the top three. I think that those are like because that's definitely the top one from last year. I, I would say. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, because that was like AD's kind of coming out as a superstar. That shot was like, that was a big one. That's a big one. And the, I mean, the value is almost as much about Jay Crowder, if not more than DeAndre Ayton, really, because Jay Crowder has to throw literally a perfect pass. Yeah. I mean, couldn't have been any better. And if he jumps too soon, it doesn't get there. And, or, yep, everything had to go right. So that was, yeah. I'll, I'll give it the edge. I'll give it the edge just because a yeah, h- higher degree of difficulty. They're both shots to win Western Conference Finals games, though. So I think either yeah. way, I think either way you're you're. But I think Kawhi's is still that shot was I mean, that was to win a series. You know, that was also I'd like to talk about. He did travel before he dribbled the ball when he got the inbound. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> It oh, was you a know, travel. It you know what, travel. though? What about Dame's series ender against Oklahoma City, though? Ah, oh, but that's a couple years ago. That's, that's, yeah. you'd put that, I guess that's, that's the same year as Kawhi's shot, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Okay. Around that, first round versus second round. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And, and yeah. also, yeah, Paul George is back in Oklahoma City on that one. So, yeah, that's, that's two years ago. So, or three years ago. <laughs> God, dude, time flies. I can I can barely keep up with everything. So, any other finals hot takes? Or are you are you hot take out? Have you burned out the the brightness of the wick of your hot take? Somebody scoring fifty. Somebody, Somebody scoring fifty. I I like that one. That's good. I worry that it could be Middleton is the only thing that he's capable. You know, like <laughs> I would love for Booker to have a fifty point finals game. That would be, man, like. To see him rise to this level and he's only 24, like, oh man, there's so much yeah. more ahead. Like my my pregame notes tomorrow morning, I'm going to do another episode in the morning where I'm going to do like a pregame notes, but the second half is just going to be me chirping and screaming about a dynasty. So, you know, <laughs> so this is good that you're on here to cut in between the propaganda because I'm yes, flying right back into the propaganda next. Oh boy. I can't wait for that episode, though. It is always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. You are the man in every way, and we will be talking more soon about this yes, series sir. and about football as well. We got to... Yes, gotta almost here. It is the season. Patriots, we're back on top. I believe it. We're going to be back in the AFC East conversation. Oh, we have so much to talk about there. We have so much to talk about there. We're going to do that soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for coming and on. And hopefully, you know, if, if the stars align, we might get a, a Brady Patriots Super Bowl matchup. I don't know but, what uh, I would fucking do. I don't know what I would fucking do. I would have, I would have a meltdown. I wouldn't be able to, like, I wouldn't be able to function. Dude, like, I couldn't possibly handle uh, a Super Bowl uh, oh, there's just no way. I, I couldn't possibly handle it. There's no way. Oh God, I hope that doesn't happen. I'm gonna fucking. I I, I can't. I I, won't, I I I literally just might implode. Like I don't. You know the um, 
Do you ever see those uh, memes where you throw a Vans and it always flips right side up? Yeah. So uh, I remember seeing this one meme where they had they put a pair of Vans and taped there around the cat and there's like which side will land upside down or right <laughs> side up. This is you with the Patriots <laughs> and Brady. <laughs> it's just a never-ending loop of who who's he rooting for? <laughs> I would I would literally be like yeah 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 like no matter what happened like I wouldn't I wouldn't even. I, I just, I don't even know. Like, I would just like be like, does not compute until I would literally just like explode. Like, I don't even, I don't even know, man. I don't even know. I have no, I have no concept of how that would go. But I, oof, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about this one. We're gonna, we're gonna do a whole thing of football episodes because we, we haven't even gotten to those takes yet. So they're yes, coming. Sir. It is it is always a pleasure to speak to you, man. Thank you so much for coming on in the middle of the fucking night in, in Canada. Yes, and, it's uh, almost two o'clock over here, right. but you know, I had to show out for my boy. You're the man, dude. We always appreciate you. Yes, sir. <laughs> Have a good yes, one, sir. bro. Take care. And that is the Blunt Doctor Show. Do not fucking miss a second. Don't show up late. Don't do anything else. Cancel your plans. Get home early. Let's get all the fucking karma. Let's win this goddamn championship. Let's go, sons. Peace.